Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I'm going to talk about a book called Arbiter of Worlds by a guy named Alexander Macris. Um, Macris is kind of a controversial figure within gaming. I'm not really going to talk about that, but um, I'm sure he has a Wikipedia page that you could go to if you want to find out more about that. Um, I'm really just going to talk about Arbiter of Worlds because I just finished it and uh, I have some thoughts about it. So uh, let us get into it. So Arbiter of Worlds is a book about how to game master according to Macris's ideas. Um, it's really about how to run uh, something I think along the lines of old school D&D, which is not surprising because uh, his publishing company Autarg publishes Adventure Conqueror King, which is his uh, particular OSR system. Um, but it's really, there's, so the middle section in particular is really focused on the idea of old school D&D sandboxing. And all the way through, there's an, uh, elements of that influence, although I think there's some good stuff in there for other ideas. Um, specifically, so there's stuff like, for instance, he, he really advocates for having a hex map that is populated with a number of entries, uh, you know, things to do in the sandbox world and then ways to get players to go to those things. And so you, obviously that is uh, more of a, an old school thing. And in particular, um, it's something that is, has a long tradition in D and D doesn't work quite as well for some other systems, I would argue, but that's kind of beside the point. I think if you come at Arbiter of Worlds from the perspective that this is really built around old school D&D, then that's, that's what you're going to get. Um, there's some stuff that I disagree with Macris about. And the big one is the agency theory of fun. Um, Macris, I keep saying Macris, basically in the book, uh, I'll try to refer to it as in the book, just it's not, right? It's There's a difference between an author's thoughts and the book itself. Um, in the book, there's a great influence in, there's a lot of emphasis on the idea of the agency theory of fun, which is the idea that players have fun or can have fun, that it makes it possible for players to have the most fun when they have agency within the world that they are uh, playing in. I do not entirely agree with this. Um, I think agency is definitely a um, positive when it is available. I think this misses out in particular on the recognition of the fun that people have that is similar to other mediums or other media. Um, and that it misses out on the fact that there's... Uh, 
even there's a lot of stuff that can be done playing with agency, but there's also a lot of stuff that can be done playing with agency, by which I mean the first time having agency as a player, and the second time I mean toying with the concept of agency. And to to look at that, just um, a really great example of that I think is the video game Spec Ops The Line, which is ultimately a game that is about player agency without having basically any, your your choices in the game don't really matter they don't change the story at all except the the last cutscene essentially um so there is a little bit of change there's in a sense there's a little bit of agency in the the idea that you get to write your own epilogue um but for the most part you're called upon to make choices that don't matter and that's part of the point um, and that's something that you can't do if you're only emphasizing player agency. The other thing is I think that um, a lot of the heroic stories that D&D emulates or that RPGs can emulate don't actually, in their sort of original mythic forms, don't have nearly the kind of agency that we are often uh in modern times that we often associate with heroism. Um, the Greek myths are a great example of this. Greek mythological heroes don't really have agency over their lives in most cases. Um, or if they do, it's a sort of limited agent. It's a, it's a very limited agency, um, which is something important. The the another example that comes to mind is um, the song of Roland. One of the ideas that I really like in there is that Roland appears to have agency in the sense that he decides to stand and fight when hypothetically he could run, but in another sense he couldn't. By which I mean that uh, Roland's character won't allow him to behave in that way and so despite sort of the appearance of agency he doesn't really have it, this is a sort of deterministic worldview but he doesn't really have the agency that we describe to somebody like firefighters right when we talk about firefighters as heroes it's built around the idea that firefighters charge into burning buildings and they do so of their own free will and that that's heroic classical heroism or Hero, pre-modern heroism, I think, often is not really like that, and especially heroism in uh, stories, and even in in certain more modern stories. You know, for Batman, fighting crime is often sort of a compulsion, right? There's not really another option. And that's sort of something explored in different Batman stories is the idea of could Batman do anything else? No, he couldn't really be Batman and not be this way. Um, that that's something important. And I think 
when we play RPGs, sometimes there is a real emphasis on the agency of the players, but there's also something to be said for the heroic stature of the players and heroism as something to do with scale more than it has to do with agency. Um, This, I think, is similar to... So one of the... To to use an example from a recent gaming session, um, one of the sort of ideas I think often talked about with OSR is the idea of pick your battles. That, you know, if you rush headlong into every fight, you're going to get killed because there's stuff nastier than your level one player character, a lot nastier than your level one player character out in the world. That being said... Some battles you run into are going to be do or die battles. And to use an example, in our uh, AD&D second edition Night Below campaign, we ran into a random encounter of a big pack of gnolls. Gnolls who move, I think they move at the same rate as the elves and the half-elf in the party. But we had a half-elf, an elf, a gnome, and two dwarves. Running from that fight just means getting run down by gnolls, right? They, they move faster than the dwarf, the two dwarves, and the gnome. So hypothetically, yes, maybe the half-elf and the elf could get away. But for the two dwarves and the gnome, this is basically a do-or-die fight. And I think there is... That's something uh, speak that speaks deeply to um the sort of heroic mode that that you know heroes get into do or die situations right or even sometimes they put themselves into do or die situations and that that's something um heroic too and something exciting too something that even though there wasn't really i mean in a sense so it's kind of complicated but i would argue that there wasn't a lot of player agency leading up to that fight because it was just a random encounter going through the plains uh, hypothetically we could have gone through the hills and had moving slower but more encounters plains was basically moving through the plains was basically our optimal move And for it to be a random encounter is just to say that they just, you know, popped up, essentially. There were, we can rationalize it in the aftermath as they were out in the world and all of that sort of stuff, a sort of war party that was moving around. Um, but from the mechanics perspective, they just sort of pop up around where we are and now we have to fight them and we kind of have to fight them because they're gnolls. So they're interested in fighting and they can move faster than all of our stuff. And I, I'm not saying any of that to uh, disparage the session. It was a really fun, exciting session. Um, but I think it speaks to something that is exciting, that is not based and something that is fun and something that is uh, heroic without being built around the the concept of player agency and and to be fair that campaign has a lot of player agency in a lot of other situations and so part of it i think is the the variety of flavors that sometimes you're in situations where you can pick your fight and all that sort of stuff and sometimes you're in kind of do or die situations like the fight with the 
excuse me, the fight with the gnolls. Um, but that that's sort of my my biggest issue with Arbiter of Worlds is the agency theory of fun. And there's lots of there's uh, quite a bit of of other good stuff in there. I would say I think it's it's real short and it's a real easy read. So you know. And it's like four bucks on Kindle, so it's easy enough to justify reading it yourself if you want to. I think you're going to get the most out of it if you're an OSR or old school D&D type person. Um, I think also uh, his chapter on alignment, he's, he's got an, uh, a sort of aftermath chapter that's about alignment that I think is really interesting. It, um, in my opinion, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if it's fair to say that it's a simplistic, but it's one worldview is that basically all writing and certainly all nonfiction writing is an argument, um, Macris's or the book's argument about alignment, I think, is flawed because it recognizes what align it's about what alignment is supposed to be, but not really about what alignment or what alignment can be, but not really about how that interacts with anything else. And I think the big thing is with regard to uh, paladinship that he sort of puts forward this idea a lawful as deontological, um, meaning that lawful characters are choosing not based on what they think is uh, the best good for everyone as a whole, but are choosing based on choosing actions based on the good or evil of that specific action. So to use the example that he gives that it would be wrong to smash, to torture a uh, drow prisoner because as a lawful character, because that's not deontological. You're doing evil for the sake of good, not doing good no matter what that's for a lawful good character. But the sort of problem that arises, I think, is that our paladins, rules as written, have to be one alignment and have to stick to that alignment. And there's a, there's a, I don't know, it kind of gets into, for me, one of the weird things about D&D, which is that there's some stuff that is setting reinforcing and some stuff that isn't mechanically um and that uh feels kind of odd to me it's sort of the way i feel about some stuff especially in old school D&D where there is this sort of what i would regard as a semi simulationist view where there's some stuff that feels very simulationist and some stuff that doesn't feel very simulationist and it feels to me pretty arbitrary what is simulationist and what isn't. Um, but that's just me. That's sort of my, and, and I have my own kind of longstanding issues with uh, D and D's like systems. Um, and to be fair, there are plenty of systems that I like that have other issues too. Um, the, the, this is not, 
to say that D&D is the only system with issues. I'm just sort of talking about this stuff. Anyway, Arbiter of Worlds, it's pretty good. Um, I probably... I rated it three stars on Goodreads because that's my... I thought it was pretty good, but I probably won't read it again, um, which is probably... I think that's about right for Arbiter of Worlds. Um, it's definitely, if you're really into running OSR-style games, and if you if a number of your assumptions align with those of Alexander Macris and your or with the ones that he puts forward in the book, um, uh, you will definitely get a lot out of it. For me, I think so. There's there's some other stuff too, like his thing about long running campaigns. He just sort of says um, that this is what the the pinnacle of gameplay is is long running campaigns, and I disagree with that. Um, it seems to me that that's sort of like saying that the the absolute best books in the world are all doorstoppers, um, when the as as one of my buddies says, a piece of string. How long is a piece of string? It's as long as it needs to be, and there's a sense of that that um, there's a sort of even a little bit of kind of an Aristotelian sense for me of the idea that uh, it's more important to have uh, alignment between the, the story and the system and the, the plot going on and the, the amount of telling and all that sort of stuff than it is to, um, necessarily have to tell this great big story that has lots of player agency as they decide where to go and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but that's just me. That's kind of my own issues. And so if you, if you really like old school style sandboxing, uh, you're going to get uh, a lot out of this book, I think. But uh, that's, that's sort of my final take, I guess. All right, that's it. That's the whole episode. That's what I got. Um, hopefully you enjoyed. I know it got kind of rambly, uh, especially towards the end. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the way my episodes work. And I uh, do one take and leave it at that. So it's not, uh, you know, I've sort of thought about it in my head. But I'm sure, I'm sure it could be better if I planned out my episodes or something and maybe I will eventually do that. But for right now it's, uh, you know, as I think it's spike pit who says gorilla podcasting. So anyway, I've been Arlen. Oh, if you want to get a hold of me, I am on Twitter at cows from Powis. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's wasteland and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.